everywhere you go, conflict within teams, it's normal, it's natural, it comes up. And interestingly enough, yet there's not a lot of work being done or training being done in terms of how do we really support each other as a team? Mm -hmm. And so I saw that gap and said, you know, let's get in and really start working because again, it's foundational, right? Relationships are the key. And if you have a really strong teaching team, then you're going to have really strong student and child outcomes. Hi, everyone. I'm Kate Klein, your new Teaching with Class podcast host. Let's take a moment to consider this. What would the perfect day look like in your classroom? And when did you last spend time thinking about that? Maybe more importantly, when was the last time you talked as a teaching team about creating a shared classroom vision? I know it sounds like big stuff. Well, have no fear. Help is on the way because in this episode, we talk with Deidre Harris about working effectively as a teaching team, developing team agreements, and creating and living your shared classroom vision. Deidre has over 30 years of experience in the early childhood field as a classroom teacher, curriculum developer, instructional coach, program manager, and preschool director. In her current role as an educational consultant, she serves as an educational consultant for the Pyramid Model Consortium, helping programs increase social-emotional development and reduce challenging behaviors. Deidre truly understands the effort it takes to work well as a teaching team, and she's here to share ideas and strategies to support you. So let's get started. So Deidre, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. I love talking about how we help teachers and teaching teams has been a passion of yours. So I'm really excited to dive in. Thanks, Kate. I really appreciate you inviting me onto the podcast. I mean, as you know, I love Teach Stone and working with the class tool. And it's definitely very applicable to working with teams because obviously that's what class are goes in and measures the teaching teams and its effectiveness in terms of the interactions with children. So absolutely, the better the, the team comes together and works together, the stronger the impact and outcomes for our children and families. So, okay, here's the thing. You have been in the early childhood profession for a long time in a lot of different roles. And I'm just curious about why did you decide on this focus about teaching teams, supporting them specifically? What was your experience that drew you to like, we need to focus on this. Teachers need help. What was that all about? Yeah. So it didn't matter what role I was in. And just like everyone else, I, you know, I started as an assistant teacher, or a teacher, you know, coach, director. I mean, I've been in a variety of different roles. It didn't matter the role and it didn't matter where I worked, whether it was in on an island in the middle of the Pacific or across the country or even internationally now that everywhere you go conflict within teams, it's normal, it's natural, it comes up. And interestingly enough, yet there's not a lot of work 
being done or training being done in terms of how do we really support each other as a team? Mm -hmm. And so I saw that gap and said, you know, let's get in and really start working because, again, it's foundational. Right. Relationships are the key. And if you have a really strong teaching team, then you're going to have really strong student and child outcomes. So what makes a teaching team strong? Well, there's a quite a few factors, but if we're really looking at the foundational ones or the, the bottom line, it's really being on the same page. So having the same understanding about where we're going, having the same vision in terms of what do we want for children and families, having the same idea of how are we going to get there, and then having a really good understanding of how each person or member of the team will work together to achieve that goal or, or that outcome and being really, really clear about that. That sounds like a huge undertaking. I know I personally, when I hear this thing about having a vision, I get like, oh my gosh, what? I don't think I could even do that. That sounds so huge. How do uh, teaching teams get started in something like that for its big job for one person? let alone multiple people to try to articulate the vision for their classroom. How, what's a good way to get started? So there's a couple of ways. One, pretty much all of our organizations have a vision statement and really looking at that and saying, okay, what does this mean on a day-to-day basis? How does it show up in the classroom? So a great question that I like to ask teams is, if I were to walk into your classroom, what would I see you doing? Or what would I hear you saying? Or what would that interaction look like that would represent this vision in action? What is our why in our classroom? Yes. And how each interaction we have with our children will create that over and over again throughout the day. Absolutely. And then as a, you know, a big thing. (laughs) So, so let's break it down even further. And so another great question that I ask teams and teams can ask each other. This is what would a perfect day look like? Hmm. Right from, you know, morning drop off to afternoon or evening pickup, you know, depending on your program and and how it works and what services you provide. But literally just saying, hey, you know, a perfect day would look like this. That's a vision. And then coming to agreement with your partner or your partners, whoever's a part of that team, and say, what would the perfect day look like for us? What would it look like in the morning? What would it look like at whole group or circle time? What would it look like during meal time? What would it look like during outdoor time? What would it look like again at drop off and, and pick up when we're, you know, having those interactions with families? And once you start describing that, that is a vision. Mm, okay. So how does it sound in our classroom? How does it look in our classroom? Who is where? Who's doing what? Do I do that by myself and then come together with my teaching partner to see what they think? Or is it better to try to hash that out together? Yeah, there's no right or wrong to the Mm -hmm. process. You can do it both ways or either way. You can sit down together or you can do it separately and then come together. It's whatever makes sense to you. And, And again, what makes sense 
for you and the other members of the teams. So the idea is, you know, let's just keep it simple, right? Let's not complicate it. Let's not make it bigger than it is. Let's just sit down and, and just even have the conversation and then go back map, meaning go backwards from there. Now that we have this vision and we're talking about a vision during a certain part of the day, because it's easier to do that and then say, okay, so what would it take for us to create that vision? What can I do and what can you do? And this is bigger than just my role as a lead teacher or my role as an assistant teacher or a para or my role as the speech therapist because everybody's a part of the team. So we're not talking about our role specifically, but really, how do we want to be with each other? How do we get to interact as adults to create this vision? We say that there's this seamless flow. Mm-hmm. Right. We call it the dance, right? The dance between adults. And when we start dancing really well together, our children's dance really well together, too. And another word for that dance is those interactions, right? Which is what right. class is all about. So it's really looking at our interactions as adults in addition to the interactions with children. So if I'm creating a vision with my team and we're working on this together and we want to articulate how we want our perfect day to go, what are the parallels that you would see with class and how that might look? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you could apply class right to adults, just like we do with children and adults. So I just take the emotional support domain in and of itself and just think about, you know, positive climate. You know, what does that look like in terms of, again, how are we interacting our tone? You know, how are we supporting each other, moving into, you know, teachers sensitivity, because it's not just what we do, but how are we supporting each other? Think about even like regard for student perspective. Does everyone have a voice in the team? Are we creating that buy-in? And of course, we also want to be mindful of like negative climate. Again, what are the things that we're saying or doing that might detract or add, you know, makes things tense or are disrespectful. And then it it takes us right into classroom organization, right? So what are those systems that we're setting up? Is everyone on the same page in terms of our expectations for children? So in terms of behavior management, our interactions, again, support each other. Think about productivity. I mean, that's all systems. What are the things that we're putting in place around, you know, attention or attendance or meals or those transitions. So again, everyone has an idea of what we're doing so that we're creating this space or creating this time where everything is flowing, which also supports the vision. Mm. And and even, you know, instructional learning formats, if we're not on the same page in terms of what we want the children to learn, how we're going to engage them, then things aren't going to go as well. There might be conflict or confusion or we're operating in different ways, which creates polarity. So, I mean, the overlap from class to building a team and being part of a strong team is it's there. Class isn't just isn't just for children and adults. It's for adults to adults as well. Oh, wow. 
For sure. So it starts with that relationship as a foundation. Absolutely. And the emotional connectedness in the classroom and how the adults are supporting each other and sharing their perspectives on things and hearing each other as they're creating the systems in their classroom together. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we know children learn through modeling, right? So another word for it is, is how are we being with each other? Because when we're being respectful, when we're being intentional, when we're being these ways, the children automatically see and start doing. This sounds really amazing. So I'm going to be a little bit of a devil's advocate here and just say, like, I love this idea. And I have been on teams and I have watched teams that have struggled Mm -hmm. that really, you know, things go wrong. Sometimes you can have this great vision and we we like each other, maybe, or we're at least comfortable working together. And then something happens. What do we do then? So here's the thing, Kate. It's never an if it's always a when. And what I mean by that is we're all human beings and we're working together sometimes, you know, six to eight hours in the same space. It's not going to be if conflict happens. It's going to be when conflict happens. So when we start looking at it like that, it, it's not a surprise. It's something we get to plan for and be intentional around. So, for example, some of the things that we can do is we can make what I call agreements, team agreements agreements. An agreement can be around when something occurs that I'm not comfortable with or I don't like or whatever the conflict is, we can make an agreement about how I'm going to share that information with you, when I'm going to share it with you. It could even be the agreement is I agree to share it with you before sharing it with somebody else, right? So that there's not triangulation or the agreement could be, hey, I'm going to need time to vent or I'm going to need time to calm down or I'm going to need time to just kind of think about this for a minute and then I'll share it with you. So again, we call this front loading so that there's an understanding of how we're going to handle any disagreements before the disagreement happens so that when it happens, because again, it's a when, not an if, we have a plan to fall back on so that even when we're upset or we have this emotional charge, we're not flying off the handle. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I agreed to do this. So this is what I'm going to do to to follow up with. So if I've made an agreement with my teaching partner and I then something happens, whatever, that we agree that I would be the person who mainly gets the room ready in the morning and um, then something happens and I fall and I not literally. I actually, <laughs> I fail in some way to, you know, meet that agreement. I, I forget to put things out. I put the wrong things out. I looked at the wrong day on the lesson plan, whatever. Something happens that causes that agreement to fall apart. And I have my agreement. Then so I, I said, I need a minute. So I come back and I go to my person later. Hey, I, I realized that I did that thing. Could we talk about that? What are our options for resolving something when it happens. Well, here's the thing about agreements, or at least, you know, following the team agreement process is once you've made an agreement, you get to write it down. Okay. Because if you're anything like me, you're going to forget. 
Oh, yes. I am uh, the same way. <laughs> right? I mean, life, life happens. Things are busy. So the key to any agreement is writing it down so that you have something to refer back to, okay. to help you remember. So if we've made an agreement about who's going to do what, when, and where, and how, because typically that's what, how we set an agreement up with the five W's, you go back and refer to it. Well, if it's something that happens, you know, once or twice, then we consider that an anomaly, Right. It, you know, it, and life happens, you know, th- that's not something that's typical. If it becomes a pattern, now we have something, a document we get to go back to and refer to. So it's not I'm blaming. Oh, my gosh, Kate, you're a hot mess. I can't believe you keep forgetting to do this. It's a Kate. You know, this is what I've noticed is that we agreed on this. Yet this seems to be happening. Can we go back and look at the agreement? And by doing this, a couple of things happens is one, we get to go back and look and say, maybe the agreement isn't working for some reason. Right. And, and it's not about the person. It's, it's maybe things have changed. And that's the great thing about an agreement that's written is that we get to go back and tweak it. It's a living document. Okay, because so things, maybe right? we thought it was going to work this way and it actually doesn't work very well that yes. way. So let's rewrite it or revise this agreement in some way. Absolutely. And then what's so great about this is that once it's written, and I've had a lot of groups go through this process, and one team was great. They they wrote back to me and said, you know what, this this the document works so well for us that now we post it. And so that when others come into a room, especially if it's, you know, a substitute or right. somebody's pre-COVID, it used to be when we had volunteers in the in the classroom. I hope we get back there again. But when others come in, it's posted, they can actually see the five W's, the who, what, where, when, and how. And it helps them to understand their role or how they can contribute in the classroom. So it, it makes everything transparent and at the same time, flexible. So what happens, let's say we go back and we look at it and we say, we don't need to rewrite this. This is really the way that it should work. And I have actually failed you as a teaching partner, right? Like we're partners on this team and we're trying to do this together. And I have actually made a big mistake. What do I do to come back and and fix this situation? Well, a couple of things we, you know, again, as part of the team agreement process, we say no blame, no shame, no guilt, no fault. Okay. That's a good place to start because I would feel bad if I went, if we had this conversation and we said, okay, wait, looking at this agreement, it isn't the a problem is not with the agreement. The problem is with with me. I actually fell down on this whole agreement and I need to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, so we get to get really clear about this as well, Kate. And this is something I'm adamant about. So when I say no blame, no shame, no guilt, no fault, that gets to be for us, too. That okay. means we don't get to do any self beat up or self shaming of ourselves either. What we get to do is acknowledge, here's the agreement and for whatever reason, and that's what we get to talk about. What is the reason behind this agreement? Again, if it's something that's non-negotiable, it's non-negotiable. Then I get to figure out what is it that I get to do to make sure it happens and, or I also get to ask for support. 
Because okay. maybe I don't know how to do something, or maybe I get to ask for clarification around doing something because I thought you meant this and actually it meant that. And that means we get to go back to the agreement and actually clarify it even within the agreement so that everyone's clear what was meant. What it does is it actually helps everyone to stay responsible and accountable. Okay, without blaming, without shaming, without what was the other one? Guilt, the, and, the guilt and fault, and feeling so guilty or being or laying fault. Yep. Okay, okay, right. So it's from both sides. It's myself if I'm the one who realizes I did something that was not according to the agreement, and or my I see that it my my co teacher is doing that. I'm not coming fingers pointing saying it's your fault. Blah blah blah. It's like, let's go back and look at this agreement, this agreement that grew out of what we said our vision was. Absolutely. So recommitting to this vision, to this agreement, or we're tweaking it in some way to make it either the vision might be off and we or the agreement was off, but we can, we can fix that. We can change that. We have that relationship already built that hopefully. Yes. So I want to step in for a quick second because um, I think I really didn't speak to the importance of it being written down. So I know when I said when it, it, it gives you something to refer back to, but there's also some psychological reason for doing that as well. And that is when we write something down on paper, we consider that a neutral document Mm -hmm. or a neutral tool. It's much easier for us to look at a tool and address the questions or concerns or issues with a tool than with each other. Right, right. It's about our commitment on this paper. On this paper. Not you and me as the the flawed human beings that we naturally are. Okay. Because that's that's one of the the big questions that I get. Well, you know, but I don't want to hurt their feelings or I'm really not comfortable having this conversation. Well, if we're both looking at a piece of paper, it doesn't seem quite so personal. Right, right. Because as soon as it gets personal, it can get very ugly. I've seen it go very sideways with teams. Yes. So uh, what are some wisdom you have around, maybe I have worked with someone for many, many years and, you know, we've never been on the same page. Mm -hmm. How do I approach this idea maybe with them? So that's a great question. And typically, if I'm working with the team, I would have some curiosity around that in terms of what stopped you from having, you know, this conversation, because I always start with vision. So this would be like a, a second question or, you know, a conversation a little bit down the line. And so what's has stopped you in the past from having this conversation? Because something must be happening there, because most of the time, especially when we're working with someone side by side for hours at a time, we tend to have these conversations naturally, right? We know about each other's families. We know mm-hmm. what we like what's going on in our lives. These are all part of the same conversation. So something is happening or not happening if those conversations aren't happening organically or naturally. But aside from that, to start a conversation, again, it gets to be really easy and conversational. Hey, I was just wondering, 
What would a perfect day look like for you? What do you think about this? That could actually even be a way to build a relationship where there may be a lack of relationship for a team that's well-established that doesn't connect or a brand new person on the team. It's an opportunity to articulate something you may never have taken that time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I have one last question. Well, it may not be the last one, but here's another one. (laughs) So this is very hard with two people, but it's even harder when you have teams of three or maybe even four or five, like in an infant room where there's, you know, morning staff, afternoon staff and shared caregivers and all these things. How do we get more than two people on the same page without creating like little clicks or mm-hmm. excluding people and things like yes. that? Wisdom we, for us. We know with three people, triangulation automatically happens. And typically somebody gravitates, you know, to one member versus the other member. So, again, um, that's actually how the team agreement process got started. It was when I was working with triads, teams of three, and everybody gets to contribute. So when we talk about the five W's, the who, the where, the when, the what and the how, it's by person. And we'll go through the day and we'll start with, and it might be the most challenging part of the day. So say, for example, usually when we're talking about challenging behaviors or routines, typically it's either at whole group time or transition. So we'll take, let's go with whole group or, or, you know, or or circle time. And we get to, to talk about who's doing what, where, when, how, and literally writing that down and then having conversation around how do those three people work together so that, again, that classroom flow is seamless and we're all on the same page so that when children come to us, we are all saying the same thing to them. Yeah, there's no better way, like you were saying, to model for children than if we're all on the same page too. Absolutely. and everybody gets a voice in the way the team agreement gets made. Absolutely. Um, it's, it sounds like a, a process, right? Articulating that vision, articulating those steps of the, the W's and um, is really a way of building that relationship. Yes, yes. It it takes all the guesswork out of everything. And it's not just for your members of, uh, you know, your your members of the the inner core of the team, but the itinerants, right? The speech pathologist, right? That's coming in or the occupational therapist that's coming in. They also get to be included in the team agreement as well. It'll just be specific to the time of day or the, the frequency of which they're providing services. So it's Everyone who touches the children in that classroom gets to be on the team agreement. Yeah, that's what an inclusive way to create a healthy, connected environment for our children. Yes. So let's think about our three big takeaways here. We we talked about the importance of this vision and building a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Especially we made some parallels to emotional support domain, which was very nice. And then we talked about, you know, make those plans, really articulate what's going to be like and plan for when, not if conflict arises. Mm -hmm. And then I was wondering, what do we do? How do we support each other when things are going really well? 
Yeah. So I would say, no. (laughs) And I have to say, as early educators, I don't know that we do this very well. And the, this I'm referring to is celebrating our wins along the way or giving acknowledgments. I mean, we spend all of this time and effort, you know, on professional development. We say it all the time, right? Positive, specific acknowledgments for children. And we get to do the same for us as adults. It doesn't matter if the win is small. Yes, Johnny got on the potty today. Wow. <laughs> what did we do? Right, We're celebrating Johnny, but what did we do as a team that supported Johnny in doing that? Yes, Kate, you got in there and you made sure that he was getting to the potty before he had to. Way to go. Right? Just celebrating those wins, the small wins and the big ones. Oh my gosh, all of our children have accomplished this milestone, whatever this, you know, the milestone is. And then, and then breaking it down. What did we as a group do to get to that outcome or that result to happen? That's key. And again, we're, we're not so good at acknowledging ourselves, but yet when we do that, do do you see how the the energy just changes and, and the joy comes in and it's, and it's fun. And it's like, yes, we're doing this. Now I call, we've got gas in our tank. So when those not so good days happen, because again, it's a when, not an if, when those not so good days happen, we've got things to draw back on. Exactly. We have that stronger relationship. We have some successes under our belt and we have confidence that we can move forward through these days that we've seen good days and good days will continue. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we want to celebrate teachers because all of the news all of the time is about how teachers are leaving the profession and, and surely that is happening. But there are teachers who are staying and this I think will be so helpful to them to think about how they can create this vision for their classroom, celebrate each other, have the gas in their tank for a new day, a new week, a new school year pretty soon, right? We're going to be wrapping up this school year and everything. So thinking about that sort of encouragement encouragement for our teachers who really are committed to this profession and they want to stay and they want to make healthy classrooms for their children. What parting thoughts would you have if you have 30 seconds to offer some encouragement to teachers and teaching teams everywhere? What what would you say? So I'm going to take it back to celebration and acknowledgement. So in the state of Hawaii, they talk about pauhana. And Pauhana means it's the end of the week we get to celebrate. So even if all we're celebrating is, yay, it's Friday, look at what we did, look at what we accomplished and go back and say, not to say, oh, it's Friday, thank goodness the, the week is over. It's, oh, it's Friday and we are able to get this done or we able to do this and, and this is what we saw or this is the results that came up. Basically, we're talking about being in gratitude and many people do this already. They have some type of gratitude journal. Pauhana is the same way to be in gratitude for each other, whether it's daily or, you know, at the end of the week, but making it more often than just it's teacher's day. Right. 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 (laughs) So doing it on a regular basis, being really consistent with our celebrations and acknowledgement, I would say would be my final thought. Wouldn't that be nice to have a classroom gratitude journal, a teaching team gratitude journal where you could celebrate 
all of those things and, and write it down, right? Because yes. you're saying the importance of writing things down, write down what we appreciate about the accomplishments we made that week or that day. Or oh, I think that's a great idea. We're already taking observations for our children on a regular day. What, what's another couple of sticky notes? I still use sticky notes sometimes, <laughs> but what's another couple of, of sticky notes of the things that we're grateful for in terms of the team and yeah. celebrating that at the end of the day or the week? It's an that's awesome nice. idea. I'm so glad we had this chance to talk together today, Deidre. So much there in this conversation that I, I believe people will, will take away and be able to put to use for their own classrooms, which is what we want people to do. So yes. And thank again, you so it's much. been my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. I, I love the conversation and the topic. Yeah. Thank you so much. Be well. You're, you're welcome. And you too. Thanks. Wow. That was fun. So here's an invitation. Give yourself the gift of creating that vision, a shared team vision. If that seems too big, start small by choosing just one time of day to create your written agreements, the who, what, where, when, and how. Remember to plan for when, not if, things go wrong. And most of all, celebrate your team's successes together, the small and the big wins. Take care of yourself and your team because what you do matters.